listening to the Prevailing Word podcast channel and also on our Prevailing Word live YouTube channel. I'm Pastor Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Let's get right into the message. Please open up your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. 1 John chapter 5, beginning at verse 18. For we know whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself. And the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Wickedness that is in the world today is evident and picking up steam. It doesn't seem as if we will ever get a break. But thank God that regardless of the conditions of the wickedness that is in the world, the Lord is the keeper of those who love him and keep his commandments. So the world is under wickedness. There is no question about it. And there is no question as to what we're seeing. We as believers that do know the word aren't surprised. In fact, we should be the only ones that is at peace and at rest and not as frazzled as the world wants you to be. One of the things that you have to grasp in these days is that regardless of how out of control the world is, God is still in control. He's never surprised. He's never caught off guard. Though this world may pursue a course of wickedness unlike we have ever seen before, we can rest and be at peace because God did not appoint us to wrath that is coming upon this world. He has appointed the world and Israel to go through the times of wrath that is upon them and the world. We who are in Christ that believe that Jesus is the Son of the living God, we that uh, have hope, which means expectation, of all that God had promised in his word, will be fulfilled, and we will not fall under its sway. So long as we keep ourselves, because we have this promise that we who are born of God does not sin and 
He who has been born of God keeps himself. So if you're in the effort of keeping yourself, then we have a promise. And this promise is that the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Go over into um, Ephesians chapter 2. I just want to re rehearse something there in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Because here, here we see that this sway of the wicked one is about um, is about the course of this world and so uh, here in um, Ephesians chapter 2 I don't know why I hit that look at verse 1 And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. So whenever you see what is under the sway of the wicked one, we see that it is according to the course that is of the world or of this world. We'll see the course uh, specified in, in a few scriptures in a moment. And so it goes on to say, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now that's the same person, the wicked one. According to the power of the air, it's the same as the wicked one. But it is also known as the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, those of us that are in Christ, we are of obedience. We obey the, the gospel, the truth of the gospel. We obey that, that form of doctrine that was delivered to us. And so, because we are in obedience, not because of what we've done, but because of what he has done for us, uh, we are not under the sway of the wicked one. We do not walk according to the course of this world. We are not under the dictates of the prince of the power of the air, and neither are we sons of disobedience. This spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, we are not of that. Well, I wonder why, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of, the, of our flesh. In other words, we were a part of this group that were sons of disobedience according to the course of this world, prince of the power of the air. We were once among them. But thank God that we've been plucked out of it. Thank God that God called us just in time to pull us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. In other words, we were under the sway of the wicked one. Every time the wicked one said, do this, we did it. And, and our flesh and our desires were under the sway of the wicked one. And now that we are in Christ, we are under the sway of the righteous one. He tells us how to live righteously. 
He tells us how to live obediently. He tells us how to live as he lived. And so we were, we were once a part of that group, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, watch, children of wrath. You see, we saw in First Thessalonians in our morning session that, that God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. In First, first Thessalonians chapter 5, we saw that. So we were once children of wrath. So, so we're no longer we're no longer children of wrath we're children of God we live according to the word of God we stay in the word of God we live in the word of God and that's why we discussed this so many so many times about abiding in him and he abides in us that we are disciples of uh, of the Lord so so we thank God that 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 the that the the Lord is in our lives at a, at a moment of time when things are getting worse and worse and worse. It's not getting any better. Please do not look to the Republicans to make things better. Look to only Jesus. Jesus said in in the book of Matthew, "Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Not the Republicans. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He calls us to come to him, not to a political party. Don't trust in man, according to Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 10. So we have to learn to keep ourselves from falling into the trap of trusting in politics and I keep hearing that, that phrase that, that the conservatives and not everybody that's conservative know Jesus. We've got to save America. Folks, there is no saving of America in politics. In fact, if you look at it from the scriptures, God is only going to save one nation. And it ain't the United States. It's Israel that he's coming to save. All the other nations will be judged. But I thank God that we, when, we're, when we're born of God, and he that is born of God overcomes the world, he that is born of God and keeps himself, the wicked one doesn't touch us. So no matter what goes on in America, and I'm going to show you a scripture that, you know, give you scripture on what I said about saving America, saving the nation. I'll give that to you. I, I always try to give scripture where it, it's consistent. We're, we're, we, can, we can be secure that regardless of what goes on outside, that God will keep us. Why? Well, go to... Um, well, let's finish reading Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, starting there, and then I'm going to show you why uh, the wicked one doesn't uh, touch us. Because, you know, we are born of God, and we keep ourselves. Look at verse 4. We used to be, verse 3 tells us that we used to be children of wrath, just as the others. But now verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy, God who is rich in mercy, 
See, we talk about grace a lot. There's a whole lot of preachers out there talking about grace and hyper grace and all that, but you never hear them talk about mercy. The purpose of mercy is because you and I deserve to be judged. We deserve the punishment. We deserve the wrath. But he demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's mercy. In other words, Jesus took our penalty. He paid our debt. I mean, how many of you would be happy if somebody were to come along, somebody that you didn't know, come along and ask you, do you have a credit card? And you say, yeah, and, and, and they say, well, how, how much do you owe? And now you don't tell everybody's business, and that we understand that, but let's say you did it by chance. It's maxed out. And it says, how much is the max? And you give them the, the, the cost that it's maxed out, and then he says, you know what I'm gonna do for you? I'm gonna pay your debt in full. I'm going to pay your debt in full. Man, we would say, what? You don't know me. I don't know you. And you're going to do that for me? Pay my debt in full? Man, you would be screaming. But yet that's exactly what Jesus did. On our debt card, we had an incurable debt. We had a debt that we couldn't repay because God requires sinless blood. He demanded a perfect person to pay the debt. And none of us is perfect. So if you're of the individual that says, well, I'm going to let my good outweigh my bad, you got no good. When your debt, when your credit card is maxed out, you, you, you don't have good credit. You owe. We owe and we can't pay it back. But God sent his son. You see, only God sent God to pay for those who are not God. We were man, sinful man. He sent God to pay our debt in full. And that's why, that's why it's called mercy. We don't talk about that anymore because we all want to hear about grace because if we don't define mercy as what it is actually is and just concentrate on grace, God doing us a favor, what required God to do us a favor? His mercy. That's what required the grace. Grace needed mercy because mercy is the only way out of this. That's the only way we can experience the favor of God. Mercy. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. So his love for us is connected to the mercy. You can't separate the two. Now you say God is love, and that's what the Bible tells us in the book of 1 John chapter 4, that God is love. But you see, if you separate love and mercy, then you're only telling half the story. 
John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we always concentrate on love and the grace of God, but we never see why it was necessary, the mercy of God, because God saw that we couldn't pay this debt on our own. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is not talking about prosperity. This is talking about our salvation. That we've been made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that's our salvation. That we're hidden in Christ. And that we are no longer under the sway of the wicked one. We are not walking in wickedness as we once did. We are no longer children of wrath. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We don't talk much about the kindness of the Lord. Look, let me tell you. Him saving me from sin, that's kind. This kindness is unusual. I mean, we're surprised when somebody does us a favor. When somebody comes and, and pay, pay a debt or do something that would help us along in life. We're, we, 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 you know, just we, we recognize that they're of the of their kindness. But when we look at the kindness of God, of God, in fact, the book of Romans tells us that uh, that the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. I mean, God was e extremely kind. He could have just left us. He could have just dropped us. He could have just simply said, you know, I'm not going to deal with you. Let you go to hell. You deserve it. And he would have been just. He would have been fair. But, did, but God did the extraordinary. God did beyond what anyone else would do. He sent his son to die for our sins, to pay for our penalty, to release us from the debt. It was an act of kindness. That he that his great that that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We do not deserve a gift. We do not deserve the gift of God. The gift of God is the grace of God. And we receive it by faith. We receive this grace by faith because of his mercy towards us. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. The reason why it is not of yourselves is because you can't do it yourself. So if you think that you're going to get into heaven based on your goodness, uh, I got news for you. The book of Psalm verse, uh, chapter 14 verse 1 says that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable things or abominable works. There is none 
that is good. And just in case you don't, you're not convinced of that, the, back, the book of Matthew chapter 19, the story of the rich young ruler. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good question, isn't it? But, but Jesus began by saying, why do you call me good? There is one that is good, and that is God. No one is good. No, if God is the only one that's good, then all of humanity is excluded. So nobody can grasp and say, Lord, look at my good works, and God say they filthy rags. They're worthless. They're worth nothing to me. And that's why Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 is there. Verse 21 says that not everyone that says Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. For many will say to me in that day, haven't we not cast out devils in your name? Haven't we not done many wonders in your name? Have we not prophesied in your name? And he will look at them and say, Depart from me, you that work lawlessness. I never knew you. So our good works. Lord, I've been to church. I sung in the choir. I played on the drums. <laughs> I, I ushered. I did all those good works. And God said, they don't count. Because you're not trusting in the finished work of Christ. He said, it is finished, meaning that there is no more labor after this. Literally, it means that you've been released from the debt. There is, there is nothing that you can do after what I've done to get into the kingdom. You have to rest solely on Christ alone. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That's kindness. How many of you know that when somebody gives you a gift, it's kind? God gave us this gift of salvation because of his mercy toward us and his grace. And we receive it by faith. Not a works lest anyone should boast. So we don't work for this. We can't, we can't, God doesn't want you to work for it because he doesn't want you to boast. Because that's what we would do. Look at me, I saved myself. You can't save yourself. All right, you're out there in the middle of the ocean. And you, and you, you let's say you fell off the boat. Unless, unless, you know, you're really a trained swimmer, because it's been known that people have tread water for quite some time. But, but you need to be saved out of that water. You need to be pulled out of the water, or it is certain death. So you know that out there in the middle of the ocean by yourself, unless somebody come along, they can't, you can't rescue you. We have to depend upon somebody else to rescue us. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Not of works, lest any man should boast, it says in verse 9. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. Not of works uh, 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 that, that the, 
it tells us, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 10 here says in, in Ephesians chapter 2, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good, for good works. This created in Christ Jesus is the new birth, which ties in with John chapter 3 and verse 3. Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5 he says that except the man be born of water and born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So this created in Christ Jesus for good works is the new birth working in us so that way we can perform works of righteousness, not to get saved, but because we are saved which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now go to the book of John chapter 10. See, if we, if we keep ourselves, it is, it is always based on what Jesus said here in John chapter 10, the Gospel of John chapter 10, look at verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, you do, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. In other words, the works of healings, miracles, the things that Jesus done to, to heal people, to, to deliver people, they bear witness that he is doing the works in the Father's name. Verse 26, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. Because anybody in their right mind, when they see signs, wonders, and miracles that are legitimately done, will always point to Christ. Always, if you watch the ministry of Peter, if you watch the ministry of Paul, which we'll get into hopefully today, uh, we will see that whenever uh, signs and wonders and miracles were performed, they always preached after the miracle was performed, repentance from dead works. So the whole purpose of the miracle working power in the times of Jesus and in the times of the apostles of the Lamb was to get, have an opportunity to preach the message of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Can you see why? First John chapter 5 verse 19 is there. And the wicked one touched them not. Well, why is that? Because of what it says in verse 28. Verse 27 28, but we read verse 28. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Nobody can come along. The devil can't come along and take you back. The devil can't say, that's mine. You come back to me. No, no, no. The, we're in the Father's hand. Is anybody strong enough to take you out of his hand? No. No one is strong enough to go up into heaven and take you out of his hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So if we're in Jesus' hand, we're in the Father's hand because they're one. Mm -hmm. And Satan can't take us back because we belong to God. 
So all we have to do is keep ourselves. Again, remember what it says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4 and verse 23, that, that we are to keep our hearts with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. We are to keep ourselves, and we do that by walking and living in his commands. So, uh, let's go now back to, let, not back to, but let's go now to uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's look at the wickedness that is, that is in the world today. Because once we look at the wickedness that is in the world today, and we, we will begin to see uh, that these things that are before our eyes is for one purpose, and that is to give us an indication that these are the last days. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. The word perilous means dangerous. We are living in dangerous times or times of stress. Now for some of us, we may be experiencing some measures of stress that we've never seen before. And, and that's why we should never look to America to save us out of this or look to return back to times of normalcy. All of these things are pointing towards an event that is surely coming to pass. And I said this before in our, in our morning session, and that it, it, it bewilders me why some in the, in the uh, uh, prophetic community, the end time prophetic community, do not believe in the rapture. And, and that is because of their, uh, their inability to be assured of the scriptures. And we see that in the book of Revelation between chapters 5 and 19, that there is no evidence of the church and there is no evidence of a rapture with the, with the exception of the two witnesses that will be in Jerusalem. And those two witnesses, without a doubt, without a question, is Enoch and Elijah. Because Enoch and Elijah were the only two that were taken up into heaven. A lot of people believe that it is Moses. And it can't be Moses simply because his body is still buried on Mount Nebo. So God would have to resurrect the body of Moses. Then he would have to show up in Revelation chapter 11 as one of the two witnesses and then die again. And that doesn't make sense. So if, if you're of that uh, persuasion, well... I've given you as much scriptural evidence as possible. Uh, 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 but these are dangerous times that we're living in. So the, the rapture has to happen before the final week of Daniel's 70-week prophecy. It has to happen because, again, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which they never quote from, I, I find them never going back to that scripture to quote from it. And, and, and that's puzzling to me because they're unsure of the scriptures. But I'm sure of the scriptures because of what it said, that God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So why would God save us and then pour his wrath on us? It doesn't make sense. But we're living in perilous times prior to the final week of Daniel's 70th week prophecy. 70 weeks of prophecy. Verse 2. We're living in dangerous times. Verse 2 now. For men will be lovers of themselves. How many times have we seen that even in our own lives? We walk by the mirror and we, we primp. We brush our teeth and we... We look at each other and smile. We look at our hairstyle and smile. <sighs> lovers of our, ourselves. Lovers of money. 
you see, when you love when you love money more than you love God, God, Jesus said it like this. He said that that you shall not serve God. You can, man cannot serve God and Mammon. And there's a book out, and somebody you know uh, put it out there. Forgot his name, but he was on the Jim Baker show, the one that fell in the 1980s when he was calling in a sexual scandal, and 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 he was teaching. And they were teaching that that mammon is not money. Well, it means riches and wealth, right? So where does riches and wealth come from? You got to spend money to get it. Come on, y'all. Stop, stop with the shenanigans. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. You see this age that we're living in? You see why they're taking our children and having drag queen in the libraries and in the public schools? They have books on pornography in the, in, in the libraries, pedophile, pedophilia in, the, in, in drag queen and all that. They're, they're, they, 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 they're training a disobedient generation. And that's the whole intent behind this. They're training a disobedient generation to not only disobey parents, but to clearly disobey God. And this is nothing new. Started way back in the 1940s, 1950s. And we see evidences of this in New Age thinking that has infiltrated into certain, uh, certain places. Some of them in, have infiltrated into legitimate places. Other places are just tares among wheat. You've got the poisonous plants among the, the wheat plants, and they're growing up together, and people are finding a, a way or a reason to try to have sin and righteousness in their life at the same time, and it doesn't work. Light and darkness can't abide together. They can't mix. When light comes on, even in its smallest sense, darkness must move. And so we, we we're seeing disobedience to parents. We're, we're seeing that if your parent is doing something, you need to report it. Report your parent. That The government is trying to say, the children don't belong to you. They belong to me. Wait a minute. We brought this child into this world, not you. You see, you don't have to tell them I'm going to take my child out of school. Just do it. Just do it. That's your child. You ain't got to report to the, to the school and say, I'm going to take my, children, my child out of school, my children out of school. No, just do it. Let them know who's in charge. Well, they'll send the truancy office, officers. Send them. They're not leaving. You're going to have to kill me. I'm Mama Bear. You're going to have to kill me before my child gets taken by you. That's just the, that's just the way it goes down. That's the only way you're going to be able to be successful. And so they're after the children because they want to raise a generation of disobedience to God, which is clearly the agenda of the beast and the false prophet because you will see those who have taken the mark of the beast are the ones that are disobedient to the gospel as a result of them, first of all, being trained to be disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Have you ever noticed that even before Thanksgiving, they always put out Christmas stuff? Have you ever noticed that? And, and, and watch this. You're, you know, that's why we as believers must never be afraid or ashamed of who we serve. 
you know how we how we used to mask the way we 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 are believers around Thanksgiving. We we say like the world, I'm thankful. You know, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for life, health, and strength. Whereas the true believer will say, I thank God. And not be ashamed. And not be ashamed and afraid of the repercussions that will come from the world because you uttered out of your mouth the word that they don't want to hear or yield their lives to. Unthankful. Unholy. I mean, more and more, we're seeing the perverseness among ourselves. I mean, it used to be in the day that, that women wouldn't wear certain things that would expose themselves. And that men wouldn't wear things that would expose themselves. Now you can see all their business, male and female. That's the unholy that we're living amongst. And, it's, and if you're righteous, you ought to be vexed. Because there is no shame in, in exposing themselves. Showing everything that shouldn't be shown. Revealing everything that shouldn't be revealed as far as their body is concerned. Unholy. Unloving. Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and verse 12, and because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. You want to know how? I mean, you here you are, you're standing on the subway platform, minding your business, you're not bothering anybody, and somebody comes over there and pushes you on the subway track. Unloving. Or you're walking down the street, and nobody's bothering you, you're not bothering anybody, and somebody comes up and punches you in your face. Unloving. Unforgiving. I mean, even in the smallest things. I mean, some people have a grudge. You, you stole a pencil 10 years ago and they still hold it against you. You see, forgiveness releases the debt. And even though the scriptures say if they repent, forgive them, if you do it, even before they repent or when they don't repent. You see, that pleases God. How does it please God? Well, remember when Jesus was on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They didn't ask for forgiveness, but Jesus said, don't even charge them with this debt. Stephen did the same thing in Acts chapter 7. He said, lay not this sin to their charge. You see, you can keep unforgiveness out of your heart if you just learn like Jesus and like Stephen to release the dead. No matter what they've done to you, no matter what wrong, don't keep the grudge. The Bible tells us in the Amplified Bible of 1 Corinthians 13 that we pay attention to no suffered wrong. We hold no grudges. We don't keep score. If you have unforgiveness towards anyone, release the dead. Let it go. In fact, the book of Mark chapter 11 and verse 25 says, if, if you don't forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. And that's why the Lord's Prayer is so powerful. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those 
who trespass against us. Release the dead. So what they stepped on your toe a hundred times, the hundred and first time, second, third, forgive them, let it go. Just tell them, look, the scripture said forgive you, but, but could you please stop? Tell them to stop, don't let them to keep going, but you, know, you, you, don't want, you don't want them to keep going because sometimes some people will. Don't, don't give them that, just tell them, just please stop. But release the dead. Don't hold it. Slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. We see these characteristics of wickedness, people under the sway of the wicked one, people that are wicked. We see the, the, the slanderers, the, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. You know, you know what, a, what a good picture of brutal is? I was reading the story of a, of a woman that had, a, had, you know, she was a, a, a foreigner. She got into the United States illegally, and this guy married her. And then, and then in, instead of just walking away, which, was the, which would have been the smart thing to do, and that is, you know, if you've had enough of an individual, you don't have to do them any harm. You don't have to kill them. You don't have to put Clorox in, in, their, in their juice. You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is just get pack your bag, walk away. That's all. But no, people don't want to do that because she was after one thing. She was a lover of money. So she hired a hitman, but didn't realize that the hitman was a, was, was a lawman. And so they staged his death, bullet hole in the head in a pit. And, and, she, and she was giddy. She said, yes, I, I'm glad of that. And, and put your hands behind your back, you're under arrest for solicitation of murder. Look, you don't have to do any of that. But that's brutal. All you have, look, if you had enough of a person, you don't have to do them any harm. I mean, just like in New York City, where this, where this person severely beat his wife, and then she had to wear a bulletproof vest, but, they, but he shot and killed her with a shotgun anyway. That's brutal. Brother man, all you got to do is just walk away. You had enough of her? Fine. Walk away. You don't have to do her any harm. Brutal. Despisers of good. In other words, when, when somebody does a good deed, whether they're saved or unsaved, you just despise it. Traitors. In other words, you're not faithful or loyal or, or have allegiance Headstrong, you know what headstrong is, my way or the highway. It's going to be my way or no way at all. I'm not budging, no compromise. Haughty, that means being lifted up in pride. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. In other words, you would rather go out and please yourself than to go and please God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. We're seeing this increase exponentially amongst not only people inside but also outside the church. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
coming to the knowledge of the truth means that you act on what the truth is. You don't act on what a preacher says. You act on what the scriptures say. You hold fast and true to the scriptures, not to a preacher or a pastor. You follow the scriptures regardless of where the pastor is. Because in the end, you are only accountable for you. So they're not able to come to the knowledge of the truth simply because they're gullible. Proverbs 14 and 15. Person believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. Don't believe everything that I say. Go to the scriptures. Believe what the scriptures say. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, and these two were, were the uh, sorcerers that Moses and Aaron faced every time that they came to Pharaoh. The reason why we know that these are the names of these individuals is because here we see that in, in 2 Timothy, Paul is the writer. So evidently he came across some manuscripts because we just don't see their names in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers and Deuteronomy. We don't see their names there, but there must have been some reference of, of a Talmud somewhere where their names were referenced. So that's where perhaps where these names came from and, the, and, and, the, and it's probably no uh, con, um, I would say no dispute about these names these these two guys resisted Moses so do these also resist the truth the truth men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith now see see the word faith there the word the faith or the phrase the faith is not talking about believing God for anything. The faith is talking about our faith in Christ alone. But they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also's, also was. Go to Romans chapter 1. We're looking at the wickedness that is in the world. And, and we've read this before but it's good to go over it again and be reminded of these things. So that way, when we go out and, and observe what's happening out there in the world, or we see reports, whether by TV or the internet, uh, we can readily see that uh, these things are about the last days. Look at verse 18 in Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed. Now notice that it did not say that the wrath of God began. It said the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. So what's going to come from heaven? Revelation chapter 5, 6, all the way through 19. That's the wrath of God. So how was the wrath of God revealed from heaven? Uh, what is it revealed uh, uh, from heaven against? All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You know what it means to suppress. You and I all know what it means to suppress the truth in righteousness. When we know that we're planning sin, the, the word of truth that is in us get pushed down. We don't want the word to convict us. We don't want the word to tell on us. We don't, we don't want the word to, to expose us. We, we want to enjoy our sin right now. That's what it means to suppress the truth. And it's done in unrighteousness. Because what may be known by God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. How did God show how did God show himself to them? Again, verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. Where? In your spirit. 
Romans chapter 2 and verse 15 says that the law has been written in our hearts. So in the heart is already a knowledge of God even when your heart is dark. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. How did he show it to us? For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. In other words, when we look at the stars, when we look at the moon, when we look off, off the side of our eyes that the sun is up there, at night when we see the stars, the planets, the galaxies, these things that he creates displays his attributes or his characteristic. And the first characteristic that you'll come across is he's God. That's the first attribute. Because in that first knowledge of God displays three elements of God. Omnipotence, omnipresence, omnipotence, omnipresence. He, he shows us these things. And God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. He's all-powerful and he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. And see, that's why, you know, when you read um, Mark chapter 11, uh, when it's, where it says, have faith in God, and then in the Cambridge margin, it says, have the faith of God, that's incorrect. We can never have the faith of God. You know why we can't have the faith of God? Because God doesn't need faith. Think about it. Because, see, faith is trusting in someone to bring it to pass. So why would God need faith to trust himself? See, it doesn't make sense. So that, that note in the margin is very misleading. When it says, have faith in God, what Jesus is saying, have faith in the only one that is capable of bringing it to pass. Because none of us have power to bring anything to pass. We're powerless. He is powerful. So, so God, God doesn't, and I've, I've, I've taught it before and taught it in error. It is complete error. God doesn't need faith because he is God. When he speaks, it comes to pass. When he creates, it comes to pass. Well, it happens over a period of time. Well, it may happen over a period of time, but it doesn't mean that he is expecting faith to make it work. Because he knows all the laws to bring it to pass. And that's why it's an error to say that we have the God kind of faith. No, we don't. Because God doesn't need faith. Because he's God. He can bring it to pass. He doesn't have to trust himself. There's only two things that God did. He, he swore an oath by himself. And he has an immutable counsel, a, a counsel that can't be changed. So for anybody to teach that we have the God kind of faith is error because God doesn't need faith because he's God. 
So God has shown it to them. How? Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes or characteristics are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, if anybody says, well, I, I just didn't know. I didn't know. Well, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Look up at the, at the stars in the sky. Look up at the sun. Look up at the moon. Look up at the planets. Look at this planet that he created. Look at you. Where did you come from? Oh, I came from my mama and my daddy. Well, where did they came from? They came from their mama and their daddy. Well, where did they, 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 where did they, they, they came from? You got to go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Male and female created he them. He created. He started it. It goes all the way back. So they're without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. See, see the unthankfulness, see the connection, what we saw in uh, 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 3. See the connection, unthankful. Nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, empty-minded in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. You know what the word fools is? I've, I've taught on this before. Moreno, which is spelled M-O-R-A-I-N-O, which is the foundation of the word or the etymological founding word of morons. That's where we get morons from. Professing to be wise, they became morons and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. You see, whenever you see homosexuality and transgenderism, you're watching end-time signs performed in front of your eyes. They dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. In other words, the truth is a lie and the lie is a truth. And so if you, and, and they had put it out already, they say, if you hear it often enough, it becomes true. And, and, and that's a training of the senses. Whenever you go to your movie theaters, whenever you turn on the TV to watch the news, they're preaching to you, they're teaching you and if you don't have the word of God in you, it's very easy for you to be deceived. Then again, you may have the word of God in you and still be deceived. And that's why we got, we got to hold fast to the truth. We have to hold fast to our confession of faith without wavering. We got to hold fast even though they may ridicule us, even though they may call us names, even though they may uh, persecute us, we hold fast to our confession of faith because we don't want to deny the Lord in the midst of our persecution. Because if we deny the Lord, the Lord will deny us. Who, ex who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Monkeypox. 
HIV AIDS, and other sexually transmitted diseases. They receive in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. In other words, it was a consequential judgment upon them because their body judged them. Their body simply said, I'm committing judgment against you. And the next thing you know, you're opened up to a whole lot of sexually transmitted diseases. That's why I just can't understand for the life of me why men want to go after a prostitute. How many men went into her? You, you, can you see what's, what's connected here? It's not just the flesh and being judged of the sexually transmitted disease, but notice what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, that you are joined as one spirit with that harlot. Just imagine how many men have had that harlot and how many spirits are in her that you are now tied into. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. He didn't give up. He just gave them over to it. Because see, as long as you are alive, there is still a chance that you may repent. There is still a chance, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. There's still a chance that they may come out of it. Amen. So you don't write them off. God didn't write them off. He just gave them over to a debased mind. You said, this is what you want to do? Have at it. But you see, still, God tells them, but my hand is always extended. My hand is always extended. He doesn't say, well, to hell with you. No. He says, my hand is still extended even until your last breath. Just like the thief on the cross. He was on, it's called death row. He was on his way to cross over into the eternal world. And he had enough sense that at his last moments of life, Jesus, remember, we, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you shall be with me in paradise to the last moments of life, his hand is still extended. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things that are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness. Now watch, this is another, another list uh, of what we saw in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. This is another list now. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. Can we see the wickedness that is under that the world is under? The same list that we saw in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 9 and a continuation here in Romans chapter 1 and verse 29 is the wickedness that the world is under. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder. Now, you don't have to stab somebody to murder them. You can hate them, and that is considered murder. 
because of what scripture says in the book of Matthew chapter 5 and also in 1 John uh, chapter 4. Like Cain. Cain hated Abel before he took a brick to Abel. And that's how murders come about. You murder in your heart first before you murder with your hands. Strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God. When you see people hating God, for, I mean, when you hate God without a cause, God didn't do anything to you. He didn't do anything to us. Haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. See, we disobedience to parents again? This undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unloving. Doesn't that sound like Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12? And because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. Unforgiving. We see unforgiveness again. Unmerciful. In other words, when you know that you could have spared somebody, you didn't. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them. And this is the list of wickedness that we see in the world today. You've been listening to our Prevailing Word podcast channel on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. Please check out our Prevailing Word Live YouTube channel. Links are also available on our Prevailing Word Ministries Facebook page. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.